Employers are finding it tougher and tougher to provide increasingly expensive health benefits. So when President Barack Obama makes health care reform a priority this year, what would employers like to see in this proposal? Welcome to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and with me today is Helen Darling. Ms. Darling is president of the National Business Group on Health, a nonprofit coalition representing some of the nation's largest employers when it comes to national policy issues. National Business Group on Health includes more than 300 members, and more than 60 of them are in the Fortune 100. These firms purchase health and disability benefits for over 55 million people, employees, retirees, and dependents. Ms. Darling has worked in consulting at Watson Wyatt Worldwide, Mercer Inc., and was once an advisor to the health subcommittee of the powerful Senate Finance Committee. She joins us today from her offices in Washington, D.C. Helen Darling, welcome to Reach MD Radio on XM160. Thank you so much, Bruce, for the opportunity. Well, it's great to have you here because I know employers definitely are going to have a say into health care reform in the coming year. Um, how optimistic are you that Washington can enact some type of comprehensive health care reform this year? I'm as optimistic as anybody I know about health care reform. Maybe not the end of this year that we'd be done, but we will have done an awful lot of what we need to do before the end of the year. And there may even be something that has evolved during the year that's not comprehensive health care reform, but it is more of a down payment on it, very much like we've had in the last month, where millions of more children were covered and a number of steps were taken that are really part of the building blocks to national health care reform. But I think that there's a chance now for health care reform that really has never been before including even during the early 90s when the Clinton administration was trying to pass health care reform. And the reason I say that is there are a lot of factors that are very unusual. First, health care costs are higher than ever, and people are more miserable about the cost of health care. They continue to make our businesses globally uncompetitive. They're also a drag on our economy. The president referred to it as the crushing burden of health care costs, which I think is a is a great description, unfortunately, of what's happening. And also we have a president who's leading, who's, who's made health care reform, national health care reform, one of his highest priorities, and he's moved on it very quickly at a time when he has a lot of political credibility and a lot of goodwill in the country for people who want to help him make things happen and change the country. And in addition, in the Congress, we have key leaders who've devoted their lives to health care reform and never been able to do it before who are convinced that, number one, this is the year to make it happen, and number two, there are enough forces and factors aligned together in a way that almost never has happened before. So there's just a lot. There's momentum. There's optimism. There's a belief that the system is a mess. Nobody likes much of anything about the health care system we have, and everybody agrees that it is twice as expensive as the next most expensive country in the world for actually poorer results. The interesting thing with the group that you represent is in the past, little if any health care legislation has been enacted without the support of the business community. And I'm just wondering what are some of the key issues that the business community will be looking to evaluate in health care reform or once in health care reform? 
Well, the number one issue from the point of view of large employers and businesses is uh, the control of health care costs. We have to, at the same time that we're increasing coverage for those people who don't have health insurance, and we have to do that, we believe that we should require every resident of the United States to have coverage, but coverage also has to be affordable, and we have to build in ways to control costs because if we bring in another 40-plus million people into the health insurance system, that will drive up cost even more if it isn't done in a way that costs are controlled. We also have serious problems of patient safety, as I'm sure, Victor, your newspaper has written about this quite a bit, because of healthcare-acquired infections and serious adverse events in some instances in hospitals. Hospitals are really very dangerous places, and some of that is avoidable, not all of it, but some of it. So we need to have safer care, higher quality care, but we also want to have everybody have health insurance so there's no one left out of the system. Where does the National Business Group on Health fall on whether there's a public option? There's a lot of talk about that. I mean, I'm sure the insurance industry wants it to be all private and so forth, but but there's a lot of small businesses and out there saying, you know, if we had a public option like Medicare to buy into, we'd want to look at that. Is, are, are you fall anywhere on that? Yes, actually, we believe that we have to have affordable health insurance for everyone. And there will be some number of people, in fact, it will be in the millions across the country, who for one reason or another, they don't have an employer plan or they're not employed or they're between jobs or they're They've retired, but they're not old enough to Medicare. But there'll be a group of people who need access to health ins- affordable health insurance, and they won't qualify under the existing programs or methods. And that group of people should have access to something that is called different things, but something like a health insurance exchange. And since we have employers who have national plans, we tend to favor national solutions or solutions that are within a national framework. But what we also know is our employers frequently will have a plan for all of their employees across the country, a single plan, but then they also make available to their employees, if they want it, in different states and at different regional levels, alternatives. So, for example, there may be a Kaiser Permanente or Geisinger Health Plan or something like that that may be available in that particular region. So we would imagine something like a national exchange, but also there could be state exchanges. The main thing is to make sure that everybody has access to affordable coverage and that they have some choice. Not too much choice, because actually people don't want too much choice. They get confused and paralyzed by that. But certainly being able to say, let's say you're living in one state and you're moving to another and you have just decide to go out and be an independent contractor. You should be able to select from an insurance exchange of some sort, all very carefully regulated so people are protected. And since everybody would have to have insurance, no one would have to pay for what a lot of insurance companies charge for, which is fear that they're going to only attract those who seriously have serious health problems. So we have a lot of built-in costs to protect people from what they call adverse selection. But once you have everybody required to have coverage and everybody's given a reasonable choice, then uh, that problem basically goes away. 
Well, if you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japsom with the Chicago Tribune, and joining me today is Helen Darling. She is the head of the National Business Group on Health, which is the one of the largest business coalitions when it comes to representing companies and employers on healthcare in the country. And we're talking about what would employers like to see in healthcare reform. Ms. Darling was just talking talking to us about President Obama right out of the box. He's bringing this issue to the fore and and wants to see healthcare coverage expanded. And one of the things that some policymakers we're hearing in Washington talk about that might make some of our physician listeners a little queasy is this whole idea of pay or play, a requirement for large employers. Could you tell us a little bit about that approach and what do you think of such a proposal? Right. Well, a number of the models for covering people include a requirement that as an employer, you either provide the coverage or you pay into some pool that does provide coverage. In fact, you have something like that in Massachusetts going on right now. Since all of our members provide very comprehensive coverage, so you would think that we wouldn't mind a pay-or-play mandate, but we do. We think that the problem with a mandate from, in this instance, from the government is that frequently once a mandate of an employer is in place and it doesn't cost the government anything to do that, then what will happen is all the narrow special interests will come in and demand that their particular service and their particular model get included in the benefit package. So the employers would be stuck with a very costly benefit package, but they wouldn't have anything, any control over what that package looked like. So we're opposed to employer mandates, but we support every resident of the United States being required to have coverage. But again, it has to be affordable. And I guess with the the health insurance industry is in favor of that as well. And for our listeners who are not necessarily familiar with that approach, that approach already exists in some states with auto insurance. So it's something that's been done. And if in this case, basically, you would not necessarily be, you would just say, hey, you need to buy something. And what that's all about is basically expanding the risk pool. So there's a bigger pool to pay doctors and hospitals claims. Right. And then, of course, we know what happens now when people don't have coverage and they get sick and they go to a hospital, the hospital is forced to have to treat them, and basically doctors are too. So it's not fair. It's not fair to the providers in our country, and frankly, it's not fair to the everybody else who, when they pay for their insurance premium or when they go to a hospital, baked into their costs, the responsible people's costs, are the cost of those who did not contribute to the pool and didn't participate. But when they got really sick, usually, then they got health care, sometimes at great expense, but the rest of us, all of us, pay for it. And we know doctors and hospitals end up with a lot of uncompensated care charges that really they, they never get compensated for. And if there was an individual mandate, as if it were, that somebody buys something, that would help that situation? Absolutely. And in fact, I mean, we think it can be designed in a way that makes certain that if anybody had to be hospitalized or there was a true emergency, that they would certainly get the care they need. And we also would want to build in coverage for good visits for good preventive care for early screening so we could find out evidence-based, so we could find out when there is a serious problem that people get treated in the earliest stages, not in the later stages. That's very interesting. Now, given the economy, and I know you've got a lot of members, everybody's uh, hurting out there, a lot of employers. If health care reform fails to move this year in Congress, how do you think businesses are going to respond? 
Well, businesses are going to keep doing what they're doing because providing health insurance to their employees and their families is a business imperative. And as long as they can afford to do it, even though they're struggling, they will continue to provide that benefit. Interestingly, they are not cutting. The one area, and we just did a survey of our members, that they're, one area they're not touching for the most part during this financial crisis is health care. And the reason is that they know, if you look at the data that they've made, done of their own surveys of employees, that the number one benefit in, that employees value is now health care. And we think part of that is because we're all talking about it so much, and people have come to realize how valuable it is because it costs a lot of money. I mean, it's over $9,000 per employee this year. But employees do value that, and when you look at, again, at public opinion surveys, it says their greatest fear is losing their jobs, obviously, and right up there with it is the fear of losing their health insurance because they've seen so many stories about people in bankruptcy because they either didn't have it or they had inadequate coverage. So businesses are going to keep providing it as long as they can afford to. The one thing they've been doing for a number of years, though, and will do even more so, is they are very aggressive in their management of the health benefits. So, for example, we're working on things like improving patient safety in hospitals. The difference between a hospital admission that just goes along routinely and one in which the person gets an infection, which is very common in the hospitals, can be tens of thousands of dollars. So employers are working with health plans and hospitals and doctors and others to try to change the way we pay for health care and what we pay for and how the care is delivered. And since you have a physician audience, I would say also we're working very hard to improve payments for primary care services and for reimbursement, fair reimbursement for visits, including things like e-visits and group visits for counseling, say for someone who's gotten a diabetic diagnosis, to take a number of steps that make things better for doctors and make the delivery system something that is is more tolerable. Right now, doctors, as I'm sure you know, are very unhappy with a lot of things going on in the health system, including payment, which has got serious problems associated with it. So we're working with them to try to change that, and that all needs to be part of national health care reform. Well, with that, I'd like to thank Helen Darling, who's been our guest. She's the president of the National Business Group on Health, and we've been talking about what employers like her group's members want to see in health care reform. I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune. I've been your host, and you've been listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on the air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and I'd like to thank you today for listening.